Today on the Topic Show, the Marvels is the biggest flop for Marvel thus far. Will Disney ever learn? Bilber's wife gets him in hot water after she flips off Trump behind his back at a UFC event. Vivek on uh, what stopped Trump from firing the bureaucrats goes viral. Tim Scott is no longer running for president. Black Rifle Coffee Q3 earnings report is in and marketing spending is up, but salaries are down. Scientists is offering to buy out half of U.S. salaried employees. AMC Q3 earnings and correction. And Dish Network is at a 25-year low for their stock. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of November. So if you could click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Black Raffle Coffee. Their Q3 earnings are in and their wages are down, but their marketing is up. Now, if you look at just the overall of their stock before we jump into the report, again, that fluctuates well, every darn two seconds just because of the nature of the stock market. So this video will be as not as pertinent in about two seconds after the stock changes, but long trends is what we're going to talk about today. And overall, the outlook is not so great in terms of historicals. In the past year, their stock is down 49.06%. And as of the time of this recording, again, by the time you see it, probably be fluctuating by a little bit, it's about $3.25 per share, which means you could quite literally buy a piece of the company cheaper than some of the products that they sell. Now, again, I'm not getting financial advice. When it comes to my three cents, it comes to investing. I always say the best bet is to bet it on yourself. Start a small business or try to improve yourself with some type of trainings, what have you. But it is astonishing that it is cheaper than a, a cup of coffee or most cases, nothing more than a glorified cup of, you know, liquefied candy bars, but nevertheless, cheaper than some cups of coffee. So again, the year in past 12 months, they're down 49.06%. They started about $6.38 per share. Now year to date, they're down 48.66%. And in the past six months, that trend is down 40.37%. In the past one month, however, they are up 11.68%. In the past five-day trend, they're up 8.33%. So then it looks at the 52-week high, 52-week low. And again, that's the highest it's ever traded in the past 52 weeks and the lowest it's traded in the past 52 weeks. The highest was $8.27 per share, while the lowest is $2.51 cents per share now going over to the actual fiscals of the company's results pulling up here really quick this is straight from black rifle news press releases i'm actually just going to download the pdf because oddly enough it actually seems a little more visually appealing in some cases now some of the big highlights were increased operational execution and accelerating path to profitability. They said their net revenue increased 33% in Q3 2023 to $100.5 million. And the gross profit did increase by 42%, which is especially pertinent and good because, again, historically speaking, if you go to their just kind of the general Google Finance page to look more about the stock, historically speaking, 
they've had a net negative income for the past, what is this? One, two, three, four, five fiscal quarters. Now, that is also known as not great. It looks like the biggest loss is in 2022, or in regards to that being 2022, the whole year, their revenue was 301.31 million, but their net income was negative 82.9 million. But again, they're also expanding rapidly in terms of physical stores. So it's gonna be perhaps a very compelling value add when if you want a physical coffee store, I mean, your options are basically Starbucks or nothing. Now, that's also a little bit by design. Starbucks has a lot of exclusivity contracts with a lot of these mini strip malls and little bundles of stores where it's a brilliant form of negotiation in terms of when these mall developers are looking for tenants. One of the biggest things is who's going to be the anchor tenant. You used to hear this about mini malls or malls all the time where Sears used to be an anchor store. It quite literally was the first company to put their ink on the dotted line and say, yes, we will commit to being the first business here. We will get the first, the biggest amount of square footage. And having that name, that logo would actually attract other businesses then they would join the mini mall as well. Now, when it comes to the, in terms of the malls or strip malls or little groups of stores you see on your day-to-day -day life, well, in those cases, very similarly, Starbucks would have that. They would invest and say, hey, we will be one, we'll be the very first to commit to having our store open here. However, we want a clause in your contract that says we will be the only coffee store in this group of five, 10, what have you stores, because we're taking a risk. We're putting out the money. We're saying, Hey, we're gonna be the first one to commit to this as a little trade-off. We want a little bit of commitment from you as well. We don't want to have our store sales cannibalized by having a Starbucks, a store right next to ours that competes with us. So that's why if you go down the street, I can't think of any anomaly in which, and again, in terms of my life experience, I've never seen it. You're never gonna see a mom and pop coffee store or any coffee store competitor right next to Starbucks. And again, if you want coffee on the go, if you want to sit down and do some work in between meetings, which is how I would ever rationalize paying more than 99 cents for a cup of coffee is if I need a mobile office where I need to sit down and work a little bit. That's where my three cents, I see the big value of these established coffee stores coming together. You can also make the argument for building culture and community. So there are multiple benefits. Now, Black Rifle Coffee, they've been ramping up the development of these stores exponentially, just anecdotal experience in my great home state of Texas. We've seen many of them pop up throughout Dallas-Fort Worth. And just as recently, I believe it was two weeks ago, I drove past, it was north, a little bit north of Dallas. What was it? Around Prosper area, a little bit Prosper Denton area, which those words might not be anything if you're not from Texas, but nevertheless, awesome growing areas in Texas. They actually had a new Black Rifle Coffee store opening. So they've been increasing in that regard exponentially. And yes, the gross profit are increasing, which they desperately need because they want to have that exponential growth. They also noted that their wholesale growth of 91% year over year, which that is exponentially great. And that's traditionally, depending on the relationship you have to the brick and mortar stores, it's a lot easier because, again, in some very unusual cases like Home Depot, where they have relationships with the TTI, which is the parent company behind Ryobi and Milwaukee. Spoiler alert, it's the same company that owns both companies. But... That's very unusual instance where they actually pay for shelf space and they also have a shared revenue stream. In many cases, you simply buy the product, you put it on the shelf, and then you sell it. So again, I'm not sure about their exact contract, but like when it comes to something like Walmart, in most instances, they would just buy a bunch of black rifle coffee, put it on the shelves, and these companies usually get paid up front for that. So, and again, they don't have to worry about the actual transaction to the end user. And when you're trying to grow a business, it is very, it's much, much easier to have an instance where you have four to five large clients, such as a Walmart, a Target, 
a Whole Foods. You have a couple of those stores. Well, if you have five of those giant stores, they're selling you, I don't know, 100 million pieces, something like that. That's much easier than building it out from the ground up with grassroots marketing. They seem to be doing a little bit of both because they are opening up their own stores, which again, that's a direct to consumer relationship style. And they also have exponential increasing in their podcast sponsorships where it seems like more and more of those podcasts are sponsored by the company as well. So it's good to see their whole sale growth. Now, their operating expenses actually dropped to 41% of revenue compared to 52% of revenue in 2022. So they're slashing some of their expenses. Now, they had a net loss of 10.7 million and adjusted EBITDA of 6.2 million compared to a net loss of 16.1 million and adjusted earnings before income tax deduction, a loss of 5.8 million a year ago. Now, they also know that profitability is expected to continue acceleration in the fourth quarter, which makes sense also in terms of most, most businesses historically, fourth quarter is where they really knock it out of the park, pun moderately intended if you are in the baseball industry or sports balls industry, nevertheless. But that's where they have a huge increase of their sales. You see this, especially with retail. I mean, one of the reasons it's called Black Friday is because in terms of finances, you get into the black, the black ink was the profitable ink, the red ink was the negative. So it makes a lot of sense that you have Black Friday, all Q4 sales. So I'm not too surprised that they are also expecting their sales to grow appropriately as well. And of course, the CEO and co-founder and uh, founder Evan Hafer also said, quote, the Black Rifle Coffee Company has never been stronger. Or specifically, he says the coffee brand has never been stronger. He also could say, quote, I'm delighted by the dramatic swing upwards in profitability of the business because it signals a new era for BRCC, where we have self-sustaining business model that drives revenue, profit, and shareholder returns. We are very focused on building a company that drives up both top and bottom line because that enables us to invest in new opportunities and most importantly, provides us with the means to fulfill our mission of serving the veteran and first responders community, unquote. Which makes sense. This is perhaps the number one coffee people associate with having a not a philanthropic endeavor. They really do want to make it down in the universe, as cliche as it sounds. They really are all about supporting veterans, first responders, and there are many consumers who buy their product just on that statement alone. Now, granted, of course, the coffee tastes good as well, but you have all these coffee competitors popping up. They are still the strongest brand, bar none. I believe I just saw one yesterday where. The marketing wasn't good enough for me to remember their name, which I'm not saying someone should be fired, but that's not great. But there are a lot of tactical-based coffees coming out. The one is actually shaped in a, their logo is the shape of a AR-15 bolt. But nevertheless, there's a lot of competition popping up and they are also supporting veterans, but Breck Rifle Coffee, bar none, has the largest well-known brand. They've also built it over the course of nearly a decade now. I believe they launched in 2014. Now, jumping down into the details of their Q3 2023 results, they know that the revenue increased 33.2% to 105.5 million from 75.5 million in the third quarter compared to 2022, which that's a huge, huge, huge increase. Again, not financial advice, but let's just say any sales organization should be very jealous of those types of numbers. Now, they also noted that the whole Sale revenue growed, increased 90.8% to 61.5 million in third quarter. And that's actually doubled from third quarter 2022, where they raked in 32.2 million. They also know that the direct to consumer revenue decreased 13.9% to 32.8 million in the third quarter 2023, compared to 38.1 million during the third quarter 2022. Interestingly enough, 
Now, going back to some of the main details, they noted that the gross profit increased to $34.1 million in the third quarter of 2022 from $23.9 million in the third quarter of 2022. And again, little, again, I'm not a doctor, but if you click subscribe, it may cure my stuttering or mixing up of words, dyslexia. Nevertheless, it could very well be the cure, but little faux pas there, actually it's noted that the gross profit increased to $34.1 million in the third quarter of 2023 from 23.9 million in through 2022 Q3. So that's an increase of 42.3 year over year and the gross margin increased 220 basis to 33.9% from 31.7% third quarter 2022, driven by higher sales volume and favorable product mix shift as the coffee and rounds sold to FDM consumers has higher gross margins compared to other channels. Which again, when it comes to the, one of the biggest things they need to get under the belt, and I'm sure they are also right now, but the aggregate savings when you're building a business, especially for beverage companies, is ridiculous. To make a single batch of coffee, if you want to start a coffee company or a high fructose corn syrup company, the cost per unit when you're making small batches is prohibitively expensive. You're talking six to eight times what the same cost is for something like Starbucks to make. Because like anything, if you go online, if you try to buy marketing materials, or even if you go to the grocery store, you're buying boxes of high fructose corn syrup, Cheerios, or whatever they sell these days. Just like when you're going to Costco versus regular store, the more volume you buy, the lower the price per unit, which is one of the reasons why their coffee is more expensive than the competition. Because I'm not saying this is they're making small volumes, but compared to something like Starbucks, that is much, much smaller volume. So the more they can grow this company, the more profitable it will become over time as well because of the cost savings in that regard. Now, in regard to the marketing, they know that the marketing expenses increased 11.4% to 8.3 million in the third quarter of 2023, compared to the 7.4 million in the third quarter of 2022. As a percentage of revenue, marketing expenses decreased 160 basis points to 8.2% in the third quarter of 2023, as compared to the 9.8% in the third quarter of 2022, as marketing and advertising spend has become favorably impacted by channel mix with revenue growth primarily coming from the from the wholesale channel, which requires lower marketing spend than direct consumer, partially offset by an increase in marketing fees related to the strategic partnership. Which makes sense. Some of the largest podcasters out there, they're sponsored by Black Rifle of Coffee. And while those costs to sponsor those channels is not nothing, it's a big upfront cost, but the ROI can be pretty darn good. I think I believe the Daily Wire had a relationship in which Ben Shapiro, their top talk show host, he had several episodes where he gave shout outs to Black Rifle Coffee because they were a sponsor of the show. And I mean, he has over 6 million subscribers on YouTube alone. I mean, that's darn near unparalleled exposure. And then, anecdotally speaking, in my local experience, they also became the official coffee of America's sports balls team, the Dallas Cowboys. So every executive suite now has a, the Black Rifle Coffee logo on a coffee machine and also has coffee grounds and beans from the company. Presumably, I believe someone actually made it when we were doing the event with HPE back, I was gonna say back in the day, it was a couple months ago. But that's a huge marketing win because especially Texas people love the Dallas Cowboys. They are America's team. So you have a co America's Coffee sponsoring America's team. That got a lot of eyeballs on the brand, especially for the first time when they're trying to grow their previous customer base and trying to get even more market share. They're trying to increase it and trying to find new customers. Now, interestingly enough, they also know that the salaries, wages, and benefits decreased by 12.2% to 13.9 million in the third quarter of 2023, down from 
15.8 million in the third quarter of 2022 as part of an ongoing effort to increase their operating efficiency as percentages of revenue, salaries, wages, and benefits decreased 720 basis points to 13.8% in the third quarter of 2023 compared to 21% in the third quarter of 2022. The decrease in salaries, wages, and benefits and expenses were driven by reduction in headcount as well as a result of a change in estimate for a discretionary payroll accrual and a decrease in stock compensation expense partially offset by severance expense in incurred during the quarter. Which makes sense. In terms of, again, their stock performance is not doing great and they're striving to make the company even more operational efficiencies. They are going up against a 500 pound gorilla in the room, which is Starbucks. Which Starbucks, as recently, I believe last week we reported, they want to grow it by over 10,000 stores in the next couple of years. So they're trying to ramp up their operations as well. So you're going to have to figure out how to compete with the big boys with fewer resources. It means you have to be even more efficient. So it'll be interesting to see. Again, it's not too long. It's about four pages. If you go to blackrifflecoffee.com, you can see their whole fiscal report. I try to hit on most of the important parts. I'm trying to think. Actually, uh, actually, it's a little more. How many pages is this total? Oh, no, 12 pages. Eh, not too bad of a read. But... In terms of all the finances, most of the numbers seem to be growing in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes for the stock market to recognize them and what does the public really value the company at. Because again, right now, a single share is the same price as a cup of coffee, or in some cases, cheaper when you consider how much Star Wars coffee is when you buy a cup of their, very fancy, don't get me wrong, but their candy bar in a cup. But again, this Black Friday coffee still is not paying dividends as far as I can see. So that'd be a big expense, but that'd also be, an in, that'd be a unique way to bring even more shareholders to the company and increase the amount of people who want to purchase the stock because there are whole communities and whole stock forms that follow companies on that basis alone. So let me know in the comments, is Black Rifle Coffee, as of right now, is that business you would be interested in investing with? Why or why not? Do you think the stock is going to go up exponentially because it is Q4, the sales are going to ramp up? Or do you think the competition is going to be too fierce The Starbucks starts to exponentially increase their number of stores and... They almost have as many stores as there are grains of sand in the world. Kidding, but not by much. Let me know what you think. Be fascinated here. What you have to say. Other interesting business news. Yes, Stellantis offered to buy out half of U.S. salaried employees as they continue to try to decrease their cost and in a futile attempt to compete with the Teslas of the world as they start to transition to EV vehicles. Although the Dodge Charger will still come with a ice engine option, but instead of being the great V8 with a stick shift that everyone knew and loved, the new Dodge Charger will come with a straight six. So also known as six cylinders straight in a row instead of a V6, which is okay. BMW's done that for years. I mean, that's one of the, perhaps one of the most successful companies when it comes to that engine platform would be BMW. But again, it's all about managing expectations to go from a Hemi V8 with a stick shift and more horsepower than what they had the Hellfant engine or a thousand horsepower to now having an electric or a straight six option seems anemic at best. I can't help but think the popularity of the vehicle is going to decrease exponentially. Let me know if you still are going to be a fan of the new Charger. Or it'll be interesting to see how many people just do engine swaps and put in a good old V8 in there as the muscle car gods surely designed it to be. Now, this is actually an article by CNBC. 
and they noted that the voluntary separation packages will be offered to 6,400 of its 12,700 non-bargaining unit U.S. employees. This marks the second round of salary employees this year for Stellantis that comes weeks after the automaker struck a tentative deal with the United Auto Workers to give them a record increase in benefits and salaries, all while pretty much every other industry is laying people off because of economic uncertainty, and the big three were already the most high paid in the industry already. Now, interestingly enough, with Ford and GM and a couple of the UAW individual, they need to ratify the contract. So we have all these tentative deals, but the big elephant in the room or the big union worker in the room? The real question is, are the unions, are they going to ratify this contract? Are they going to agree to this? Or are they just going to keep pushing for more and more? Again, of all the times, I feel like my three cents, I think like the big three, the big three being Ford, GM, and Stellantis, I think they have a little bit more bargaining power because again, the automotive community, the auto market is down. Record high interest rates, economic uncertainty, and I think, anecdotally speaking, a lot of people I know are just trying to get their dollars stretched a little bit further and make their vehicles last. Now, it'll be interesting to see. Now, going back into this article, now this again, thanks to Michael Wayland, and they noted that both GM and Ford have also cut salaried workers over the past year. And I believe GM... I want to say that was 4,000. Right, let's see here. GM has offered company, this is thanks to GM on LinkedIn. They say GM has offered buyouts to a majority of its salaried workers as part of its plan to cut the cost by $2 billion over the next two years. Interesting how you have the unions getting exponentially paid more. They're not having to take any cuts, but the corporates are cutting headcount. So it's not good when you're cutting people like the engineers from your staff, especially as your company's becoming an IT company, not an automotive company. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation, got to be three cents. Now specifically, ooh, I was close. I said 4,000. So GM off looks like about 5,000 employees. That was in April 2023, which is literally a majority of their salaried workers. Now... When Stellantis was asked for comment, they said, quote, As the U.S. automotive industry becomes a face-challenging market conditions, Stellantis is taking the necessary structural actions to protect our company and our operations, unquote. They continue to say, quote, As we prepare for the transition to EVs, Stellantis announced today that it will voluntary, offer a voluntary separation package to assist those non-represented company employees who would like to separate or retire from the company to pursue any other interest with a favorable package with benefits. Now, they also know that this marks the second round of salary buyouts in the this year for Stellantis. In April, the company accepted a voluntary buyout to about 33,500 U.S. employees, including 31,000 hourly employees with at least one year of employment and 2,500 salaried non-union employees who had 15 or more years with the company. The UAWs, let me see here. The latest BIOS come weeks after the automaker struck a tentative deal with the UAW for the new contracts covering its 43,000 unionized workers. The tentative agreement by Slantis and UAW still needs to be ratified by the union members. And the tentative agreement right now still includes a 25% increase in wages, including 11% upon ratification, a reinstatement of cost of living adjustments which is ironic because the UAW hires politicians who cause inflation, 
as well as additional contributions for retirees, billions of new investments and other benefits, which again, a lot of benefits they're asking for are the things that helped contribute to the fact that they went bankrupt. Chrysler went bankrupt so bad they bought out by a European company called Fiat, which I mean, Stellantis is a new parent company that was rebranded about a year and a half ago, I believe. And same thing with GM. They, GM went bankrupt in 2009, partially because of the unprecedented amount of fiscal impact that the UAW had. And Ford barely made it. They just had a very convenient timing with their... They had a very, very convenient timing taking out a loan before the crap hit the fan when it came to the 2008 recession. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Chrysler's trying to cut their costs left and right. And how many... How many engineers can you afford to lose? I mean, how many people at corporate can you afford to lose before it has an impact on the company? Will it have a greater impact than someone on the front line? I'm not seeing any news about people on the front line being laid off. Interesting. Can't help but wonder what the share, I can't help but wonder, again, I'm not a scientist, but if you click the subscribe button, it may kill the story. May, probably, perhaps. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see what this does to the company. And what are your thoughts? Do you think this will be a band-aid for the situation in terms of reduce their costs? Or do you think it's going to help them long-term? Be fascinated here. what you have to say. Other interesting business news, you have AMC Q3 correction and a stock update. Now, this comes after someone in the comments section actually brought attention to me a few findings. Actually, specifically... I made... Good old pop-ups. Well, in this case, it's an ad for the video. But it looks like this is from Stifler 28 Cameron Camaro Hemi. What? So they're going to do a engine swap. They put a Chrysler engine into a GM Camaro product. Controversial to say the least. But nevertheless, this specific person wanted to bring the attention that AMC is now becoming more of a distributor for films and such, and that there are 1,600 movies slated for 2024. Let's see here. Also going to have to do some things around the sports balls. And I did have an issue where I said the stock had peaked at 300. That was inaccurate. The stock peaked, and again, I'm working with a small stock ticker thing. So it looks like the stock peaked in 2021 at $230.68 per share. So it was, in fact, it was not 300. So that was a clerical little error on my part as well. I'm trying to see what other statements. So those are the those are the couple of the comments or the feedback that I got for that specific video. And I agree that is important that they are becoming more of a distributor. AMC. Q3, but in terms of my analysis of the situation, I still think the fiscal points were on point. Pun or reuse of words moderately intended. Now I say this because during the show, I specifically noted how important it was for their the breakdown of the revenue, where is mostly emissions and food, which. Again, I was correct in that assessment. Now, specifically, we'll talk about those numbers right now. Again, this is Q3, that which they for them ended September 30th. Now, they made, and again, these numbers are in millions. So they had 787, sorry, 797.7 7 
millions on admissions. They made 482.7 million on food and beverages. That is a lot of popcorn and high fructose corn syrup. Now, they also made 125.5 million on other theater. So think of all the fun little toys and novelties and knickknacks, which actually no, other theater operating cost, excluding other theater. I just look in that one. So fiscal 2023 for that quarter Q3 is 1.405 billion compared to the same fiscal Q3 2022. It was 968 million. And I'm rounding a little bit there. But it's still, food is a huge part of their income. And again, they're trying to grow that other part. It'll be interesting to see how much they're able to grow and develop. But you know, say I do appreciate the feedback in the videos. And if you have additional resources, so I could make an updated correction video, schedule, <coughs> excuse me, schedule permitting, I always try to take the time because I do want to improve the content of the show. And just to show you, I do read the comments and appreciate the critical feedback because that's how I grow and develop the best. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bill Burr in hot water for his wife's social faux pas as she flips off Trump behind his back at a UFC event, which is reason number 1,999.9 thousand or 1 billion. What is it? So let's say that's reason 1,958,875,433 to be very careful about who you choose to marry because they're going to have a big impact on your life for better, or in this case, for worse. Now, this also shows how mentally, morally, I would say how mentally vacuous Bill White's wife, Bill Burr's wife is. Again, I'm not a doctor, but if you click subscribe, it may cure the stuttering, perhaps, maybe. Just saying, it can't hurt to try it out. Now, again, a lot of people are saying it's a red flag that Bill Burr's wife never actually took his name when they got married. And she is an interesting character. She goes on his podcast, which he had, Bill has a great podcast, very entertaining. And some of them she actually does, <coughs> excuse me, pretty good. Makes it a little bit more entertaining, kind of switches up the interaction. So Bill Burr's wife has had her moments in the past. Now, of course, she first grew to prominence in terms of controversy. In 2022, she actually tweeted, God, I hope Trump gets the virus, unquote. Interestingly enough, depending on what words you do, you actually get your videos delisted or what's the other fancy word? Ghost banned or shadow banned as the youth might call it. So the virus from China is what I'm referring to. So you already know she's morally vacuous and disgusting because what kind of a person wishes a disease on someone? That doesn't seem like someone has their head together, so to say. Now, one of the first people to tweet this actually comes from Libby Simmons. And she says before the text, or the video rather, she says, Donald Trump walked into an arena that holds 20,000 people and 19,999 were so happy. And then Bill Burr's wife. And that got 5.4 million views. And while you can't, I was going to say, if you have suggestions for picture-in-picture software production technology, I appreciate any feedback because I'm trying to grow the show, make it a little bit more interactive, uh, increase the quality of it. I've tried a couple, but keep having some issues with the picture just not working properly with the camera that I'm currently using, which is a Razer Hiken 4K. So if you have suggestions and comments, I really appreciate currently using OBS open source to record the show now. But without further ado, I will play this. 
So it's Donald Trump, Bill Burr, you see Kid Rock there, and then Bill Burr's wife, she's sitting there looking like a spoiled brat, and she just flips off Donald Trump behind his back, which is another sign that you're a child. And you have no social skills. I can't fathom. Perhaps she just wants attention because no one knows her real name because everyone just recurs to her as Bill's Burr's wife. But again, even if you don't agree with someone, most people show a modicum of respect when they're in public, especially, I mean, this is an event that Trump was apparently invited to. I mean, the whole arena loves him. He's supported the UFC for years. And I, I don't even know. I, I'm wondering if Bill Burr got the tickets for free because he's a famous comedian or maybe he paid a lot to sit there. So if they got them for free or even if they purchased them, they are guests at that establishment and she's acting like a child. Now, again, this got 5.4 million views. I can't help but wonder, again, I mean, there, there are a lot of people who hate Trump. So maybe, not positive, but maybe there's a, there's a certain amount of those people in the comments that support her. Perhaps there will be a lot of cliche comments like, girl, you go girl, or something to that effect. Let's dive in and find out. Someone by the name of George Laxpolis says, quote, she is why he stopped being funny. I will never forgive her, unquote. You have 4.4 thousand likes of 163,000 views. Nia Matt says, quote, the funny part is Bill Burr married the same woman that he's been making fun of throughout his entire comedy career, unquote. You have 1.5 thousand likes for that. Someone by the name of Chess who gets an A-plus for marketing because the profile picture upon inspection is of a chessboard. Perfect, I know exactly. Although, I don't think this is a sentient chessboard. That'd be quite concerning. But nevertheless, this alleged chessboard says, quote, classless, unquote, getting 1.4 thousand likes. That reminds me of a wise old saying someone once told me where they said, you can buy a school, but you can't buy class. That sounds about right. Let's see here. N. Holmes says, quote, she's a loser, unquote, getting 1.2 thousand likes. J. Rue says, quote, she's upset because no one knows her name and just calls her Bill Burr's wife, unquote. Laughy emoji, three times. Gets 8.8 thousand likes. Susan Smith chipes in and says, she says, Bill Burr has crappy taste in women, unquote, getting 2.5 thousand likes. The Lapalachian podcast says, quote, well, she's pretty, <coughs> excuse me. The Appalachian Podcast, again, they say, quote, Well, she's pretty oppressed. I mean, she's having to sit one row behind the most recognizable man on the planet at an expensive UFC event, unquote. Getting 3.6 thousand likes. Now, we do have some supportive ones that are starting to brew to the surface. Or, in this case, because we're talking about the UFC, maybe tussle to the surface. Leg lock. Funny third thing. Nevertheless. Some by the name of Elijah Joel says, quote, she represents the U.S. voter, unquote, gained 522 likes. Let's see here. K11 says, quote, this is what free speech is all about. I fought for it. Does not mean I have to agree with it. Do your thing, young lady, unquote, gained 385 likes. Which, again, I don't think anyone is saying she shouldn't be allowed to say those things. I think a lot of the comments are just saying, well, that's not very classy. Especially, it's behind someone's back. Like, it's one of those things where 
I just lose a lot of respect for someone just right off the bat if that's their stance where they only insult someone when there's, well, in this case, there's little consequences because it's filmed. But how childish is that? They only have the respect to say to the person's face? Now, I say that, and of course, the next comment is by Bobby Moody getting double the likes from the one who just said about free speech. Bobby Moody says, quote, classless, getting 877 likes. John Bind says, quote, so trashy, surprise, surprise, unquote, getting 554 likes. Maris, Mars Davis actually says, quote, look forward to seeing Bill Burr's seats in the back of the third balcony next time he goes to the UFC while Trump's attending, unquote, getting 690 likes. The Sadie Gray says, quote, one out of 20K ain't so bad. Never heard of her anyway, unquote, getting 963 likes. Ed Morales says, quote, Mr. Burr chose poorly, unquote, getting 1.1 thousand likes. Which again, you're supposed to be, well, he is a famous comedian, obviously. I think the most of the most famous comedians of all time, they may make fun of everyone equally. I think that's one of the reasons everyone made people like Dave Chappelle so much and call him the GOAT is... He takes no prisoners, as the youth might say. And he makes fun of people on the left, people on the right, pretty much everyone. And Bill Burr, having his wife being much more historically anti-Trump, and having this leech into his social life, and again, she's a representation of him and vice versa, you're going to alienate some fans. Again, he's not going to go out of business or not going to be able to make a game for a living tomorrow. Certainly not. He has a huge audience of dedicated fans. That's not going to happen. I suspect he might lose a few percentage points, though. Let me know in the comments if this sways your opinion on him or if you would never see him again or if you would or would not support him based on his wife's childish behavior. It'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say in that regard. A lot of people poking fun at her weight. This person by the name of Benjamin Forklift says, quote, I would, too, if I became Sherman Klump from Night Professor at age 40, unquote, and got 750 likes. And she is large in the picture will not comply says quote a bitter pelosi is what she is showing no class unquote getting 236 likes so again i'm scrolling let's see ps amps says quote he has the video he made about yoko screeching at when John was singing with Chuck Berry and how Lennon should have handled her, let's see if he practices what he preaches. Unquote, getting 111 likes. K. Nan says, quote, so many things about Bill Burr make sense now, getting 70 likes. Let's see. A lot of people, some people are calling Bill Burr weak and they have a picture of him with his wife who's, looks like she's larger, well, she's bigger than him, but in the picture... He appears to be, I suppose, the receiving end, like in terms of like a couple holding hands or embracing each other. And that got 117 likes. So, uh, interestingly enough, it looks like while she did not, well, she shouldn't got ratioed as youth might say, but it wasn't as bad as the Chris Christie effect or the novel, a novelty. We need, perhaps you should come up with a term with that. The instance where we actually looked at a Chris Christie's tweet and there was zero people who agreed or liked his original tweet in the response sections. 
zero. Like, so some people, like, correction, some people liked it, but there's not a single positive response about Chris Christie when he tweets sometimes, which is a mathematical anomaly. I mean, presumably he has a wife and kids and a family or staffers, so you, you would think one person on the staff would, you know, chime in something. But no, he got zero. So it wasn't that bad. There was one positive comment here. And I suppose, uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, no, it looks like, yeah. Yep, I was going to say, yeah, there might be one. Might be another positive comment if we scroll long enough. But as you might say, epically ratioed. And again, let me know. It'd be interesting to see what type of effects this has on his career in terms of, again, it'll, I suspect it would decrease the number of people who buy tickets by maybe 1% or 2%. I, mean, I, I don't think it's going to be significant. There might be a couple days of backlash on social media, which probably won't affect Bill because he's, he's really not that active on the Twitter and all the social medias. But again, huge, it went viral on the Twitter, as you might say, and be fascinating to hear what your take is on the situation. Other interesting cultural news, the Marvels win the biggest flop award for Marvel. Is it due to having no diversity? AKA is all female leads, which is very unique in the cinematic universe. Now, in terms of, you know, I mean, did the movie just look like trash? Well, like I was gonna say, many people said the movie did look like trash, but I, I almost wondered, was it, well, why was it so insufferable, as many people are saying? I mean, perhaps, the, right, maybe the production wasn't great. Maybe, maybe the visual effects were bad. Maybe this, maybe the movie just on its face surface, the effects didn't look good. Maybe it was like a Atari 2600, the effects, you know, poor effects. Maybe that was it. Marvel's known for doing good in that regard. So let's look at this trailer. And the trailer did great. In terms of the trailer got 22 million views and Marvel has 20.2 million followers. So there are a lot more people who actually viewed it that followed the company, about a little bit more than 10%. So that's pretty darn good. And well, me, some people, we'll, we'll go into the insufferable effect, but again, if you have suggestions for picture and picture production software, let me know in the comments. I'm looking for feedback in that regard. I've tested a couple, but still having issues with the software. Currently using OBS open source software, but I'm going to pay for a solution if you have a session in mind. I've tried a couple beta um, of the test trials, but for some silly reason, I don't know if the camera's too new, if I need to just get a new camera, but still having issues for that, So, and I do want to improve the show. So if you could throw a suggestion in the comments, I'd really appreciate it. But you'll get to hear the music and the actual sound behind the trailer. So we'll play the trailer. Maybe it was a bad trailer. Carol Danvers. Prodigal child of the Milky Way. Nick Fury. My favorite one-eyed man of intrigue. How goes it out there? Uh, you know, cold, no air, space. Captain Marvel. The Annihilator. You took everything from me. God, the most cliche thing in history. Do, do, not... Marvel especially, but that's like every bad guy ever. It took every everything from me. Even good guys too. It's such a cliche. I mean, I, I, is that just the idea so numb? It's like, yeah, we, we, we hear you. 
So I guess the bad guys, the female as well. And now I'm returning the favor. Did, well, fact-checking, I checked on the internet. This was not meant to be a comedy. I, I thought that when I first saw this trailer. I thought, maybe. It's certainly comical-looking. But no, this is meant to be a serious action film, interestingly enough. You can absorb light. I can see it. And Kamala. Who's Kamala? Hi. She can turn light into physical matter, which I have never heard of. I could totally show you. No! They spent a copious amount of money on music royalties, I'm sure, and special effects. I mean, do you know what the safest investment in the world right now is? Yourself. Don't listen to any of those commercials that say anything about investments in that regard. Ridiculous. But that's a pretty, well, I found it comical, but the music was great. The special effects were phenomenal. The integration and kind of how the images, the, the sound, how it all came together pretty darn good so is it because disney has become something or went from something that was special and unique to becoming a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy which fun fact when you do that a photocopy the image degrades every single time you actually do it which is a good metaphor for disney and marvel because again marvel used to, movies they used to be basically print money it used to be a billion dollar hit not even trying and now i suspect partially because they make such a high volume they're going for quantity not quality so maybe that's a component. So in terms of the likes, it looks like 28,000 people. Let's see here. Actually, let me go back to that. 282,000 people liked this out of the 22 million people who actually saw it. So just in the feedback alone from the trailer. Let's see here. Not, I mean, most of them are confused or ridiculing. So it looks like Uflix says, quote, I love how Monica Rambio's entire character history is testing different engines out by just walking right into them. Getting 26,000 likes for that comment. Let's see here. Someone by the name of KarenBiss9958 says, quote, you took everything from me, unquote, every Marvel villain, unquote, 
Gained 13,000 likes. Someone's saying, let's go X-Men. Gained 28 likes. Mightiest Arms says, quote, someone should make a mashup video of every villain saying, you took everything from me. Gained 8.3 thousand likes. Blue Birch says, quote, it looks unchanged and I still love how Iman gives the most believable reaction to goose eating people. Getting 4.2 thousand likes. And much more people comparing it to X-Men in that regard. And again, fiscally speaking, it did terrible. Quite literally the worst opening ever. So this comes thanks to us to CNBC, specifically a writer by the name of Sarah Witten. And it looks like the Marvels generated an estimated 47 million domestically over its debut weekend, which again, 47 million, that sounds like a lot of money, but for, and again, it's all about what's the context. In this case, it's terrible. That's the worst opening weekend in the franchise history. Now, initial predictions that they claim, they said, oh yeah, we thought it was going to open between 75 and 80 million domestically. <laughs> Not so much. And the only MCU films that have opened lower than 60 million have been 2015's Ant-Man and 2008's Incredible Hulk, which they're kind of comically bad. I think I saw one for free on the television back in the day when I was at the gym. It got to that point where the intellectual property has gone so low. Now, they noted that Disney and Marvel Studios have struggled to reconnect with audiences in the post-Endgame era. Which, yeah, I can't help but think that would, again, I'm not a Marvel... I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it. Marvel uh, aficionado. I know more about the fiscal or the fiscal results and more interested in business than the actual films itself. But why have anything after Endgame is beyond me, just in terms of they built up to this and they just keep again, they just can't help it, I think. They just want to print more and more and more and more. What is it, the Kathleen Kennedy effect? Just to destroy all of the intellectual property? South Park is genius to say the least. Now, they keep talking about how the article is just the lowest of the lowest. A lot of people are mentioning how they injected politics into it. And there's a lot of, obviously there's a feminist theme, which interestingly enough, the United States is about 50-50 between men and women. Presumably this movie would have been more successful than the Titanic, well, fiscally speaking, if every single woman was to go see this film. So, there are some articles there saying, oh, yes, because men are sexist. It's, well, men and women have different preferences. I think the number of women who I've seen action film, I don't think that's the greatest percentages. If you look at the historical buying patterns, again, it's not zero percentage, but why didn't every single person go? Why didn't they go all see this movie opening weekend? Other films have been doing gangbusters, as the youth might say. But I can't help but wonder... Does anyone really care about Marvel anymore? So I think there's a myriad of reasons why this movie kind of flapped, flopped right off the bat. But let me know in the comments. Do you think, I mean, are people just tired of Marvel at this point as well? Was it because there's the only male lead was Samuel L. Jackson? I mean, ironic that a lot of people are saying diversity is important. But in this case, they didn't have any guys in the movie except Sam Jackson. So let me know in the comments. Why do you think this film flopped? And I guess at the end of the day, will Disney learn ever? 
how to make money on a film. That's, that's really the, quite literally the multi-billion dollar question. They've lost about two billion movies lately. Like two billion? When Disney used to print money for a living. They used to make a film that everyone would go and pay to see without a moment's hesitation. It, nowadays, they just keep falling flat on their face. I mean, and again, their stock's about the same as you would think. It's it used to be a blue chip stock, go up pretty darn good consistently throughout time. Now it's become more and more of a roller coaster. So let me know in the comments. Why do you think the Marvels failed? And do you think they'll actually have a comeback? Will Marvel have a turnaround film where they're able to reignite the franchise? Or do they need to clear house to get rid of some of the writers? Some people are saying the movie flopped because they had the strike. So the actors and the actresses couldn't be out. Well, in this case, only the actresses. They couldn't be out there promoting the film, which... Perhaps that's a component of it, but they also built up these films for years. Let me know in the comments. Do fast in here what you have to say. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek Ramaswamy going on what stopped Trump from firing the government bureaucrats going viral, getting 1.5 million views. Now, this is thanks to his individual Twitter account where he, I was going to say, I guess nowadays, <clears throat> this is a little disappointing they changed it from tweet to now a post so now i just post on the x although their url is still twitter.com they are really pushing that branding hard to get rid of the they, you no longer tweet you just post oh maybe i'm nostalgic but that just sounds this doesn't sound as cool or hip as the youth might say now this comes straight from vivek and he says quote the number one obstacle that tr stopped trump from firing bureaucrats civil service protections he'd have faced millions of discrimination and political retribution claims and been stuck in court forever. Here is a solution. Randomness. Non-discretionary firings are legally defensible and avoid civil service rules. Fire 50% of federal bureaucrats immediately using a neutral metric. <clears throat> Example. If your social security number ends in an odd number, you're fired. If that sounds too random, that's exactly the point. No bureaucrat can allege their firing was discriminatory or political retribution. This is how we can downsize the government by 50% day one with 100% certainty of winning in court. Absolutely nothing will break as a result. Shut it down, unquote. Please shut it down in all caps. <clears throat> and again, within about 36 hours, it got 1.5 million views and 21,000 likes. Now, this will gather a lot of support, especially, I think, with a lot of libertarian uh, voters, a lot of people in the middle who feel the government's just become too bloated and inefficient over time. But you're also alienating the largest employer in the U.S., which one of, if not the largest employer in the U.S., is the federal government. They literally have, well, how many, let's, let's get a number so we can actually be precise in this really quick. Okay, let's see here. I don't know. Although, interestingly enough, every time there's a government shutdown, I can't help but notice nothing in our lives really, there's really no disruption in service. Now, let me know in the comments if you ever experienced anything when there's a government shutdown. Let's see here. So this is from Release, Largest Government Employee Survey. This is opm.gov. They're saying, quote, our agency builds, strengthens, and serves a federal workforce of 2.1% million employees. Now, OPM.gov also has another statistic. 2% military, government employees. 
That is a lot. How many federal employers are there? 2023. They have the government employees by state, but what's the, I'm looking at another website, worldpopulationreview.com. So that is a huge voting block. Now, historically speaking, it would also, I know he's probably not going to alienate all of them, but also historically speaking, if you're part of those 2 million employees, presumably you would vote for the party that just votes to increase your salary, increase your budget time and time again. So the odds of him ever winning those votes probably are infinitesimally small to begin with. But interesting enough, let's go to the comments and see what people have to say. Moderate to severe says, quote, the slightest whiff of Thanos to your idea and I kind of like that, unquote, getting 2,000 likes. Just Red Pill Me says, quote, I hope Vivek Ramaswamy starts calling this approach the Thanos approach strategy in his interviews. On day one of my term, I will snap my fingers and eliminate half the bureaucrats in Washington. Once easier to catch with that association, gave 1.1 thousand likes. Someone by the name of Sierra Skies says, quote, the government so corrupt now that they'll just sue you for something else. And if they can't find anything else, they'll invent it. These are wonderful ideas. I'm quoting 211 likes. Someone by the name of Eric Radel says, quote, I'm 100% on board with this and not a single beat will be missed. A single ball dropped. Suggest a two, second random round every six months of digesting the first, unquote. Getting 152 likes. 2V News says, quote, man with a plan, unquote, getting 330 likes. Dark Mega Trump says, quote, would be better to fire 75%, honestly, unquote, getting 816 likes. Uh, let's see. Vanessa Harris says, quote, are Congress included in this? Please let Congress be included in this, unquote, getting 166 likes. But no, you would... The number of people in the in the House and the Senate, I think you you need a different legal mechanism if you want to change those numbers, which would be a huge topic in and of itself. Mr. John Lonsdale says, quote, this is an actually a rather clever idea. I suppose they would apply for their job back if they're amazing. I'm quoting 446 likes. Captain Obvious says, quote, man, I wish you and Trump team up and completely overhaul this corrupt government. Unquote, getting 521 likes. So, in terms of the ratio, well, he won in that regard. Uh, well, no, I guess there's a couple contrarian ones. Someone by the name of Maggie's Dead says, quote, I want to make my airplanes lighter, so I take out every other rivet, unquote, getting 55 likes. Which technically would make your plane lighter, and perhaps isn't the best. Eh. I mean, they used to do that with drag cars all the time back in the day with hot rodders. They drill out a bunch of the panels and some of the frame, which would very, it did make it lighter. It achieved that goal. But this person is perhaps, I'm inferring that this person is trying to, inter, you know, their inference is that there would be a lot of turmoil and it, you know, it wouldn't be as effective as they think. Though I think I could also argue there's nothing more ineffective than the current setup, but that's just me. Another contrarian says Adam Schroeder says, quote, is anyone taking this guy seriously? I'm quoting 23 likes. Wayne Vong says, quote, ironically, Trump faced political attribution and may be in court forever. I'm quoting 12 likes. Chuck Rogers says, quote, your campaign is based on nothing but the promise of revenge and racial grievances, unquote. Getting 51 likes. But again, let me know in the comments. Has 
I haven't really heard of Vivek saying anything in regard to race. In regard to that. Huh, interesting. Young Patrick has a unique idea. Mr. Young Patrick says, or Parik says, quote, Hear me out. What if you divided an acre in two halves, labeled even and odd, and let a cow out in the middle, and whatever side it defecates in first, the people get fired, unquote, getting 56 likes for that idea. Daniel Walls says, quote, you are so weird, and yes, this will land you in court, unquote, getting 37 likes. Healthy Skeptic says, quote, Vivek is also a really bad lawyer, really bad if he thinks this is a solution, unquote, 34 likes for that particular statement. Although Valerie, below that comment, says, quote, this is the answer, unquote, gets 76 likes. Junction Chan Trading says, quote, F, I don't care if Vivek is Hindu or whatever, make this man vice president or president, Trump Vivek 2024, unquote, getting 35 likes. Luke Zalski says, quote, Vivek wants to fire your family members and friends and control your government and pay private sector companies to control your life for his country club hedge fund douchebag friends, America. He's never taken an oath or served anyone or even had what you considered a real job, unquote. Getting 75 likes for that statement, which, what do you mean he's never had a real job? He built a business from the ground up. That quite literally is the OG job, the entrepreneurship. And I would also argue we we could probably use a lot more private sector taking over responsibilities for the government because, again, they're just, in many regards, just hopefully inept and inefficient. Let me know in the comments if you can name one government program that's been so successful it actually eliminated itself. Granted, that could also be said for some nonprofits as well. But looking at all the comments, it looks like overwhelmingly popular, even though there are a couple of contrarians. Let me know. If you think this will help propel him to become the Republican nominee, or do you think this might be the detriment and it might alienate some of the prospective voters who would have gone for him originally? Let me know if you fast to hear what you have to say. Other interesting political news, you have Tim Scott announcing that he was no longer running for the Republican nominee. All 18 people will be severely disappointed. Now, granted, he was pulling consistently around 2%, and he'll be remembered for that, as well as allegedly having a girlfriend, which was an odd point of contention with a couple of the people that are interviewing him. And again, I think a lot of people agreed. And I think he had some good, he had some good ideas. He had some good statements when he had a couple of his interviews he had a couple, he had a couple of his highlights on the debates, but it really just didn't resonate enough with people. And I think a couple of his statements were more in the middle or to the left of some of the Republican nominees. And I think that in and of itself has alienated him from prospective voters, very similar to Chris Christie, who, don't get me wrong, Chris Christie is gaining in terms of the never Trumpers. He is venomously attacking Trump every second he has. And again, there are people in the Republican Party who agree with that statement and they want Trump to have nothing to do with it. Now, the only issue for those people is that that's not the majority of the Republican Party, I believe. So they're going to be hard pressed to actually gain any real traction as Chris Christie is still only around 3%. Last time I checked. But let me know in the comments. Are you surprised that Tim Scott is no longer running for the Republican nominee? And where, I guess, the more pertinent question going forward is going to be, where is that 2% going to go? Because, again, depending on what poll you're looking at, you have Vivek and Nikki Haley kind of go neck and neck with each other. DeSantis is precipitously coming down. 
He's kind of evened out the past couple weeks, around 14%. He started around 35%, though. And where were all these? Let me see here. Let's see if there's any updated polls and statistics for this, thanks to 538.com. This is specifically the poll I refer to in regard to the Republican nominee. And again, I'm not a doctor, but if you click the subscribe button, it may cure my stuttering. Perhaps. Click it. There, there, or there. I don't know how your phone is oriented, or in the rare occasion, your desktop computer. But it very well may improve the show and my articulating capabilities. It's worth a shot, is all I'm saying. Now, again, this is thanks to projects.538.com, which is a poll aggregator. Trump is actually back up. He's back up to 58.6%. He dropped a couple days ago, and the averages were down to more of a 55%. So, big jump for him. DeSantis, still about the same, about 14% the past couple days. Nikki Haley increased to 9%. Shoot, it looks like, interesting enough, she... Again, this isn't a single variable thing. It's not just this, but I think it is a contributing factor where, interestingly enough, she has made a fair amount of gains the past couple of days. And again, this is a poll aggregator. So again, at the end of the day, this is the current data we have now. And it says Trump is at 58.6%. DeSantis is at 14.1%. Nikki Haley is at 9%. Vivek is at 5%. Chris Christie is at 2.9%. Bergram is at 0.8%. And Hutchinson is at 0.8%. So interestingly enough, Chris Christie, again, is about the same. And again, this numbers are based on, looks like two polls have come out. And again, these two polls come from a company or a pollster by the name of Morning Consult. And the sample size of the first poll was 2,476 users. The sample size of the second poll was 3,681 users. So again, a pretty good sample size for a poll you usually want to get a good rule of thumb is you want to get over a thousand a uh, thousand people and but again the latest polls and those are the two ones that we've had after the debate those are the ones that are influencing these averages so much it'll be interesting to see let me know do you think they it looks like nikki haley picked up a majority of what could have been the people who had previously been supportive of tim scott but let me know in the comments if you fast to hear what you have to say now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Dish Network stock at a 25-year low as they have their Q3 troubles and layoffs are announced. Now, specifically, Dish said that they were going to lay off more than 500 employees at their Colorado um, and Inglewood headquarters and the Littleton campus. And then the company specifically noted that the, quote, changing business demands were, were the, the layoffs, unquote. And it looks like a local economics professor knowing that direct Dish Network and DirecTV are making less money, so demand for the, these cable companies is going down. It looks like the provider reported for the Q3 results, they reported a $3.7 billion in revenue for Q3 2023, but that's down from $4.1 billion in 2022 Q3. When asked for comments, spokesperson for Dish Network said, quote, like most businesses, we continue to evaluate and make adjustments to ensure that we're set up for long-term success. We made the difficult decision to part ways with some team members due to the changing business demands on some teams. Impacted employees will be notified by by the end of the week, unquote. Yes. Now, interesting enough, let's pull up that stock really quick here. Again, this fluctuates on every two minutes or se oh, every second, realistically. But... 
yeah, they're not so great. So again, right now it's about the price of a cup of coffee for a share at $3.46 per share. And interestingly enough, looks like the 52 week high was $17.49 per share. That is not so great. And it looks like the 52 week low Again, the article is written a little while ago. Is three dollars and twenty-one cents per share? So if you look at the five-year trend, so Google Finance is pretty nice about having all these. You got the five-year trend, the one-year trend, the year-to-date trend, the six-month, the one-month, the five-day. The five-year stock is down eighty-nine point three six percent. So they started off about thirty-two dollars and forty-eight cents per share. This is November 16, two thousand eighteen. That's not so good. The past one year, so the 12 months, is down at 79.05%. Year to date, they're down 75.5%. The past six months, it's gone down 47.41%. In this past month, it went down 30.34%. And specifically, in over the course of a couple of days, it went down 37.34%, presumably that was after the Q3 results were announced. The five-day trend is down 0.72%. So a lot of ups and downs and variables the past couple of days. And again, as you have consumers shifting in preference in terms of how do they ingest data, or in this case, how do they ingest entertainment and how do they consume entertainment, I mean, the shift has been huge the past couple of years, especially anecdotally speaking, I think I've seen one dish mounted to a roof in the past 12 months, just driving around Texas. And don't get me wrong, they still have their use cases and they still have a lot of people who like them. They're still making billions of dollars, but the trend is continuing to go down as more and more people are cutting the cord. I mean, just like home phones. I mean, it used to be back in the day, back in the day, 90s, every house has a house phone, a line just for the house. I mean, now when I moved into this rental, didn't even think about getting a landline or a house phone. The only thing I cared about was having fiber internet, partially for the YouTube uploads for the show and my work. So it's one of those things where consumers are shifting and pretty much everyone is these days just getting all their information, getting all their, as youth would tune in to the Netflix, the Hulu, and whatever other streaming apps there are because there's so many. They're just going on the on their favorite browser and in some cases just downloading the app. So it'll be interesting to see let me know, do you know anyone who's bought a dish? And I know they do more than one thing in terms of dish network, but my old experience in terms of my, how I think of the company, they just me, I always think of the actual physical dish you see. And I know DirecTV is part of their portfolio as well. Let me know, do you think this trend is going to turn around anytime soon? But again, having that revenue drop so much, having to lay off all those employees, that's, that's got to be the business model of the day. Thank you, everyone, again, for taking the time to tune in today. Again, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of November. So if you could click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you have any other comments on how we can make the show better, I appreciate the feedback if you put them in the bottom of every video. Or you can send me a message on YouTube or if you hit me up on the Twitter, as 18 people call it the X, at The Topping Show. Also, and lastly, don't forget to take time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.